and we are back with season number three. Hello and welcome to Elevating Founders, the podcast for early stage founders to hear the stories behind the change makers and disruptors in the tech sector who are responsible for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Brought to you by London Tech Week and myself, Sina Sadzada. Now this is an incredible way to kick off season three with a very good friend of mine, Carl Loco. Carl has a multifaceted story that leaves you feeling incredibly inspired. As such, we thought it would be amazingly fitting to kick off the season with him. Carl saw his first shooting at the age of 12. He grew up on a gang-ridden estate and went on to be shot at, stabbed, cut in the face, and witness to his close friend's murders. After the intervention of a church-ran anti-youth violence project, Carl was able to denounce his gang involvement and turn his life around. A successful campaigner, Carl offers consultancy and advisory to high-profile individuals and decision-makers such as Prince Harry and Sam Branson. His philanthropic efforts have helped raise millions for charities in the UK. He is the co-founder of DBK Studios, which creates film and television content led by black producers, a gifted poet and the co-founder and chairman of Black Seed. So without leaving you waiting any longer, here's Carl. How does it feel being in a boardroom, given your background? Do you know what? Good question. How does it feel to be in a boardroom, given my background? Is it alien to you? Is it difficult? Like, what's, what's it like when you walk into these sort of offices? Like, No, it's not alien anymore. It's not in- anymore. I mean, I used to actually walk in, we're on the Blackfriars Road. So I used to actually um, walk into a building about similar height, actually, every day. And that was um, Kids Company. You know, and I do remember initially, um, it took me back a fair bit. Mm. But... I mean, now, like anything, you get desensitized to it. So, yeah. I mean, there's been many a boardroom now, so. Do you remember the first time you were in a boardroom? I think I do. Was it, I think what, I was, do. what was the experience like there? Um, that was daunting. That was daunting. I do remember that. I remember feeling quite isolated. You know, I remember even, it was, the boardroom was full, by the way, but yeah. I just felt very alone, yeah. Probably the exact same sort of Big setup. room, yeah. yeah. Big room, big table, big windows, mm. and big personal personalities, you know? <laughs> and yeah. yeah, definitely felt quite intimidated for sure. Mm. But I f- found my foot in like you do with all things. And yeah, it's become a second home now. So yeah, yeah, I think your sort of strength from, I mean, just like disclosure to anyone listening, Carl mm. and I have spoken a few times. And I think your strength is the adaptability. And your background is extremely different to a lot of like typical investors, right? Like it would be amazing to hear why you see Black Seed as your purpose. Yeah. I mean, I see Black Seed as my purpose because Black Seed was my response. Mm. It was like, all right, cool. And when I say response, not just to George Floyd's online execution, which was like a mega catalyst to actually kind of like, and a stimulus to actually decide to make Black Seed, you know, create it. Um, It was prior to that. It was drawing my social commute from uptown to downtown, Mm. to the haves and the have-nots, to where they kiss twice, where they kiss once, you know? Like, just constantly (laughs) doing that volley. Yeah. I just knew that there was a huge dislocation when it came to access to opportunity and resources, you know? And it was explicit, you know? So, always thought we would live in a better world if we were able to broker that, you know, where there was some fairer distribution, you know? So it had always been simmering within me. And I mean, 
the pressure cooker just hit infinity when I did witness what I witnessed with the rest of the world um, during George Floyd's online execution and was just like, you know what, something has to give, you know, and um, that give was laser pointed into what is Black Seed and the reason why I see it so much as um, so much purpose for me is because it is a response from mm. me, you know, yeah. Why, why did George Floyd spark that like response from you where your, your core motivation from there was to bring in more black founders into tech? So we live in a world of intersectionality, yeah? Everything in some, to some degree is connected. Yeah. Um, I believe wholly and totally in the um, collective destiny, you know? Um, I, can, I can even get a bit more poetic with it. I am a believer in the chaos theory, the butterfly effect, that even the smallest things can have the greatest ramifications, yeah. you know? Um, that being said, there is a huge consequence of um, the black community being excluded from the existing entrepreneurial ecosystem. Mm. And that consequence literally like touches every aspect of society. You know, I mean, policies yeah. are affected by the lack of entrepreneurial inclusion for the black community, because then it means that like, for example, you're un unable to support certain candidates that are able to then voice certain things that are like exclusive to maybe the black community, you know? So even just representation takes some, mm. some economic empowerment, yeah. you know? So, and I mean, like, that's just one um, angle, but there's a million of them, you know? So for me, it was like, all right, cool. We have just seen something that shows like explicitly that the black experience is unequivocal to almost any other on planet earth. Yeah. You know, and there needs to be a lot of work to broker, you know, um, some amends, you know, mm. things need to change, you know. So for me, it was like the best place for that to live is in a vehicle that's going to economically empower the black community to be able to like get involved, you know. Do you use the expression leveling the playing field? Because I've spoken yeah. to you a few times. and I, I haven't actually heard you saying that. No, I don't say it explicitly. That's not so much my messaging, yeah. but I mean, um, I believe in leveling the playing field, but then you have to also make sure everyone make sure everyone's wearing the same uniforms. Yeah, that's that's and the then, question I want to ask. You know, like, yeah. Is it leveling the playing field or is it a different field entirely? Yeah, I mean, it's sophisticated when it comes to the problem. There's the like, how do you define leveling the playing field? Is it by making sure that it is available to everyone? By I don't know, having it cited on a website, <laughs> yeah. you know, are we saying that that is what makes it available, you know, but then we can unpack that and be like, maybe even the language that is being used, you know, is it exclusionary, you know, because um, it's been filled with uh, a particular industry jargon, mm. you know, that in itself is um, filtering, you know, yeah. and kind of like um, disabling others from getting involved, you know? And I mean, this runs from um, accessing all sorts of pots, whether it be not-for-profit pots, whether it be um, debt, you know, yeah. whether it be venture capital, there is, a, there is a language, you know, that is used so often that it can stump a lot of um, people.
you know, mm. and actually denies access, you know. So in terms of leveling the playing field, I think we need to get a bit more granular. You know, we need to unpack that as to what the, does that actually mean? Mm. You know, it can't be that it is available for everyone, you know. So what does, what does it mean for you as someone yeah. that like, I guess, focuses and spends so much time and energy into empowering that community? Mm -hmm. What is the ultimate goal and what does that actually mean for you? It's the barriers. It's the barriers being leveled, you know? So um, leveling the playing field, that's one thing, but there's barriers on that field. Yeah, yeah. You know, that depending on um, what walk of life or how you identify would then dictate as to how high those walls are for you, mm. you know, and how big those bumps are for you on the road, you know? So, I mean, we have to just identify and acknowledge firstly that um, there are so many systemic and historic barriers, you know, that have been put in place and they are opposing black entrepreneurs. Like it's a direct opposition, you know, mm. until we see it in that way, we're not gonna really start to solve for this you know, and begin to administer the antidote. Yeah. So, yeah. For for the ecosystem now then, you, you're obviously spending a lot of time, energy and resource behind, you know, leveling the playing field, as you mm -hmm. just said, whatever that might mean. Yeah. And for, for other investors that really want to like focus on this objective, like, do they have to think outside the box with this? Because you said a lot of it might be systemic. Or yeah. Probably is systemic, in my, in my opinion. What alternative methods are there when it comes to investors want, that want to, you know, involve more black founders? Yeah. I mean, they just have to keep, especially with the current climate, we have to keep diversity on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the agenda is actually keeping it on the agenda and um, not succumbing to the aesthetic kind of release of the moment mm. you know so people like to do what's quite seasonal and that 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 trickles up to corporations and institutions also you know it might be that oh no um they've had their time in the sun you know oh no we've sold for that oh yeah. no that's what that's what the last two years hires were for as we've, in as in know. black supporting black founders absolutely is, is fashionable absolutely absolutely and if it's not in fashion because maybe other things are dominating the headlines and the tabloids. Yeah. Um, I feel like the best thing that any kind of like institution, individual yeah. can do to ensure that we do move the needle on this is by maintaining it as an agenda. Mm. You know, and it sounds quite like simple. Like obviously if it's your agenda, then no, but it doesn't stay your agenda. Yeah. And we need to approach this with a transgenerational lens. You yeah. know, we need to see that this is gonna take time, you know? So we're gonna have to give it literally, yeah. I, I agree, yeah. What would you say to investors? This is a question that, I don't know, you must get all the time. What would you say to investors that say, listen, like I'm not racist or anything. I don't, you know, discludes uh, black founders. Yeah. I'm just investing in businesses that I think will take off. Yeah. But it just somehow leads to a situation where you get, you know, three percent of uh, you know the statistic better yeah, than yeah, me, yeah. but like not Definitely. not much date, not much I money mean, going to that. In the UK, zero point two four percent. Yeah, that's it. So how so years. how how yeah. you get a situation where like someone you know investors are saying we're just going after the best businesses. Yeah. But then eventually you get to a situation you know the data shows like yeah. that. I mean, you're just the, the problem is actually you're doing what you think is right. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the issue. So we can kind of gauge, I heard this while I was in New York, actually. It was like, you can kind of gauge your grasp on diversity by the attendees of your wedding. <laughs> you know, so don't do so much on, you know, oh, no, I've got black friends or I see black people or like, you know, I ain't got no, it is more around acknowledging that especially when it comes to finance, these are closed communities, you know? So- Historically closed communities Historically well. closed yeah. communities. Yeah. So if we are talking about access and about, oh, you know what? I personally am not racist. So, you know, what's the, what's the dislocation? Yeah. You know, it is around the fact that you are inherently tribal. You know, tribalism exists, Yeah. you know, and then there's also the reptile brain. You know, when we see someone, we automatically like the rule of eight, you know, first eight words, eight seconds, eight feet, you know, all the rest of it. And there is an interpretation and an automatic assumption that comes to mind. Yeah. It's, it's not you consciously, this is unconscious bias. Mm. And that's why having at the forefront of your mind that I am not racist is not actually relevant mm. you know it's about acknowledging that there is a certain way of thinking and ultimately what has been happening is that the catalog of conviction for capable entrepreneurs the face of it has been white and male mm. you know so you there's no way of escaping that you know you have to just acknowledge it exists you have to acknowledge that there is a bias and then we have to actively work against it that's a really good point. It's the unconscious part that I guess people don't really think about because mm -hmm. they, you know, they tell themselves I'm not racist or anything. And but it, it is that unconscious side because, yeah. as you said, you obviously connect with people that look like you, speak Absolutely. like you, you were brought up in the same Absolutely. sort of environments. I completely see that. Yeah. Before, so say that acknowledge point, acknowledgement point comes, mm -hmm. people understand that. Like, what are the methods that investors can use then to expand their portfolio now that they've realised that that is the point? I mean, literally, if it would, it depends on what their processes are. But I mean, for me, it would go down to the actual committees actually making the investment decisions. You know, yeah. it would go down to the, from the scouts to the venture partners to the IC. I mean, it needs to have black inclusion. You know, it just has to in order for there to be a lens that is able to perceive um, black excellence, actually. Mm -hmm you know, and to actually esteem it, you know, because currently um, whatever cogs we have in place is basically implicitly saying that one group holds the monopoly. Yeah, yeah. You know, which we all know, like, I mean, science corroborates this. We've, got, we've gone far enough to know that this is so untrue. Yeah. However, it doesn't stop it from being peddled, you know? So, I mean, for me, it would be around black inclusion and not just inclusion aesthetically but in terms of real seats of like decision making seats yeah. you know we need black inclusion yeah from your answer though and all the sort of answers that you give that yeah. you've given i i'm i'm thinking a lot of black founders that are listening might feel powerless mm. they might feel you know this is something that i can't control i was born this way i have a business that you know numbers are probably doing as good yeah. as if not better as mm -hmm. another business that can get funding what do you have any advice for them do you know what i mean come and see us yeah yeah <laughs> that would be like no i'm, I'm especially early stage investment mm. 
You know, this is when it's less about numbers and more around, you know what? I can perceive, you know? I, I feel like, you know, I, I can see a preview in your ability. You know, um, this is where to develop that conviction where um, an investment can actually take place. If you are quote unquote othered, yeah. it's very difficult here. You know, so what I would say um, is use the resilience that you've had to muster as a black founder, as a black entrepreneur and continue to just pound the pavement, mm. you know, um, pound the pavement in ways that is more effective, you know, um, make sure that you continue to stay visible and relevant, you know, keep everyone abreast and badger, you know, I mean, like that is the, when the door doesn't open, you just have to continue knocking, mm. you know, we ourselves at Black Seed have had to also continue knocking to be able to raise as we have raised, you know? So it does take a lot more kind of pounding of the pavement quite dramatically. Yeah. But I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. So I guess in the short term, it's accepting that extra hustle that you got to do. Absolutely. And one that they're no strangers to. Yeah. It's, you know? it's unfortunate that's the way <laughs> yeah. it is, but yeah. You know, I, I'm not asking them to um, draw on something they don't already possess. And that's that's the encouragement, encouraging yeah. part, you know? they've had to develop a particular amount of grit. You know, they've had to cultivate a certain level of fortitude. They've, they just, out of necessity, you know, it's not a choice as um, a founder kind of that is quote unquote othered, you know? So, I mean, just drawing that it is a superpower. Um, you possess it and yeah, just keep on, yeah, keep on pounding the pavement. What about in this economy specifically? Do you have any unique advice for, for black founders there? Because I mean, like you got you got the challenge of yeah. you know the data is what you just said. Yeah. Add on top of that the current economic climate. Like, yeah. what's the situation there? Do you know what? It's above my pay grade, hundred percent. That's above being most said, people's yeah, pay grade. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and even those that are getting paid for it anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> but that being said, like shakings in shakings of such a nature always disproportionately affect those that are you know, I'm closer to the bottom, mm. you know? So I will say again, similar to my previous answer is to kind of brace yourselves, you know? Um, there is gonna be some more turbulence, you know, um, but it's nothing you aren't used to. Yeah. And this is my whole thing. It's like, this is the, this is the grace of the entrepreneurial pressure cooker that is the black entrepreneurial community you know, is the fact that they've all had to climb the north face of the mountain, you know? They're no stranger to affliction. Yeah. So, yes, there's going to be obviously, like, direct effects on consumer. Like, it's just, these are things that are going to be hit, yeah. you know, as a result of what's going on. But, I mean, pivot, persevere, you know, if needed, you know? But, I mean, again, like... We understand on this road with venture, it's a 10 year commitment to seeing something, you know? Mm. As a founder, you need to also see yourself in a 10, 20 year situation. You need to know that you are the surfer and it's less about the wave, you know? So even if tide is not up, you know, you just keep on paddling and get it done. Mm. I like that, yeah. I like that. So for people that are listening, I know you said, if, you know, come see us, Black Seed, yeah. what industries are you currently looking into? I mean, you know, it's well industry agnostic, 
let's just put that out there quite clearly. So um, we will receive everyone as long as it's tech or tech enabled. That being said, um, the reason why we are industry agnostic is because we already have um, a funnel on, which means that one of the founders needs to self-identify as black to be able to approach us. So we didn't want to whittle that down further. But that being said, like my co-founder is a deep tech founder himself, you know, so we do have a bias to deep tech, um, consumer, funnily enough, as well, and enterprise. So Mm. those are our biases, but we are industry agnostic. I know you talked about black founders more generally, but female founders specifically are probably, you know, unfortunately, they're the ones that the data doesn't favor at all. And again, like the same question goes for for investors that are kind of like looking to support their battle mm-hmm. and maybe maybe don't realize that they're doing anything wrong. What advice do you have for both the investor side as well as the actual black uh, female founder herself? Is it a this different is... battle they're fighting? <laughs> Completely. Night and day. Literally night and day. Mm. Do you know, I feel like, again... I don't know why we get it when it comes to adventuring and mountain climbing, of yeah. which I've done my fair bit of mountain climbing. If we meet someone that has climbed the exact same mountain, maybe they even got to the summit at the same time. This has actually happened. Summit at the same time. But they climbed the north face of the mountain. We acknowledge as adventurers that they've done something very different to us. Very different. Yeah. And... I don't think it gets any more North Face than being a black woman in entrepreneurship, you know, whether mm. entrepreneurship, however you're approaching it, whether inf- inf- influencerpreneurship. Yeah. I mean, even the algorithms are more, most hostile true. to you I've seen data, on the yeah. internet. I mean, the data speaks, it's a reality, you're you know? Right. So whereas we said as a, a black person, 0.24% of venture capital funding, um, went towards um, that community, 0.024% went towards black women. Is that an extra zero? It's an extra zero. Wow. 0.0. I'm, zero point anything is nothing. Yeah, means yeah, nothing. yeah, of course. That's what literally zero yeah. represents, at, you know, <laughs> nothing. 0.0 is just letting you know it's yeah. really nothing going there. So, I mean, it's a very tough gig. So any um, any black woman you see in any scenario that is like, all right, this person here has had mobility. They've been able to climb. They are a success story in their own right. I think they need to be hallowed to a certain degree, you know? Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's very different. And to the investors that are looking to invest in them, acknowledge it is very different for them. You need to know that even for them to occupy the place and have the space they do and say they have the audacity to even pitch and present under the, the current climate. Yeah. I you need to understand that you are dealing with someone that possesses, like is audacious just by existing. Yeah. You yeah. know? So don't ever go there and think, oh, does this person have the yeah, they got the minerals. Like they definitely do. <laughs> so yeah, just being aware of that. You know, awareness is a big part of the solution. Mm. Yeah. Awareness and obviously education go and hand education. in hand. Like, Absolutely. So, so how can we educate uh, the black community on entrepreneurship and financial literacy? I guess that's the first step is from that grassroots sort of level. Yeah. Because this, I, mean, I feel like that battle will get easier over time once, absolutely. once that education piece is in check. Um, do you know what it is? It's almost like we could feel it. 
<laughs> at school. Yeah. Like we could feel it. Like we would be sat there and it would be like, is this really going to help us? <laughs> like Pythagoras theorem, is it really like, is it really going to help us? You know, <laughs> like we'll be, we'll be scrutinizing and interrogating what it is that we're being presented with. And like, is this going to serve us in the real world? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can um, see that. You know, whereas, I still haven't used the theorem. Like, so I don't know. I, I actually have. I can't talk for you. My business, I've actually used it once. Got it, got and it, like, got have, it. Because whenever someone sells that to me, yeah. I'm like, I've actually used it. I'll, it. I'll yeah, show you, you off the see? podcast, but I have so, actually used it before. I mean, even the broke clock is right twice in a day. You know what I mean? So literally, like, I personally feel as if schools is a great, I mean, you've got a captive audience. Yeah, of course. Sponges. I mean, they're at a place where they're like, they, they understand they're there to learn. Let's teach them things that's actually going to serve them. Yeah. And then in turn be a service to us in our society, you know? So I feel like that financial literacy, um, it needs to be had, you know? It needs to be had quite early on. And I think schools are a great place to do it. Hmm. You know, I feel like it's partially also a, a not-for-profits role too. Yeah. I think this is where they can really contribute, you know. Um, but that being said, um, not-for-profits in terms of black leadership, yeah. uh, I think their numbers might even be worse than um, literally like for-profit kind of black leadership. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, it's crossed the board because this is around access to resources. Yeah. Where cis, cis, like systemically and historically has been barred you know, mm. to, 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 from a black lead, you know? So yeah, no, it, it affects all walks of, yeah, all different pots, you yeah. know? So even the not-for-profits where, but I think that we need to intentionally um, address this. And I feel like not-for-profits along with schools, I feel like there is some good halfway to be had here and we can really start to begin to teach. But more, more generally across the whole education system, that financial literacy piece isn't really there. So whether it's like white kids or black kids, yeah, that, but you can that get that it at home so, for some. That, yeah, that's the point it's I was going to go to. That's yeah, the point yeah, yeah. I was going to go no, to. No, it's, it's there. Yeah. It's there. You don't get it in a formal classroom, but it's absolutely there. Yeah. Completely, completely. So you think <laughs> what, if that education is there across the board, yeah. it will benefit the black community the most? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, those furthers from the throne. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's partially like, again, like, yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. This is not, this is, we're generalizing. There are um, black families in the UK, which are financially literate. Yeah. You know? And as a part of like their legacy, their inheritance, they give and pass transgenerationally that literacy. Mm. You know, so this is not by all means everybody, but I mean, especially coming from a marginalized community like the one I grew up in, um, Brixton, South London, on my council estate and those surrounding, absolutely, our households weren't financially literacy, literate. So mm. we needed to learn that somewhere and yeah. school would have been our optimum place for that. Sure. I don't understand why they don't do it, honestly. I mean, it's, it's one of those basic things that <laughs> yeah. have so much impact on, on everyone across the board. So across. But, you know, that's a different conversation, I think. Carl, we're going to wrap up the podcast, but before we do, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and ask you some quick fire questions because that's how we wrap up the podcast. Go so let's shoot off for the first one. If you could go to the pub with any entrepreneur, either dead or alive, who would you choose? 
do you know what? I've, I've been to the pub with them. <laughs> <laughs> that is such an and unnecessary is, flex. <laughs> and it is Richard Branson. I've always, I don't think there has been an entrepreneur that has captivated me to that degree. I think he just, I don't, energetically. Branson one of those old school entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, he has really, like, it was what stimulated my initial kind of like, yearning for entrepreneurship it actually came through he was my initiation his book how i lost my virginity was what really gave me the internal conviction that i could mm. you know so for me it would definitely be um richard branson you know yeah i think that's the first answer we've had from someone where they've actually gone to the pub with them so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number two what's a startup you're loving at the moment and why oh, i will be Gigbridge for sure well, um, they do. um they're I don't want to use the Uber word, but I will have to. This is the quickest way <laughs> Uber to for. it. Yeah, Uber for construction <laughs> workers on construction sites, essentially. But um, the guy's ex Task Rabbit, so he's not new to um, that industry. And yeah, he's just killing them. He's um, a Brixton resident as well, second time founder. And um, he actually won our Lions Den event. Oh, which is where cool. we give 10k yeah, yeah, away yeah. equity free and he actually used that to be able to scale to a point where he had just hit his like first um, six figure MRR that's very you know? cool so like yeah really pumped about him mm. and lastly fill in the blank to be a founder you must be I know you've said a few key words yeah um, to be a founder you must be resilient yeah, it's yeah. a very common one we've got. Yeah, yeah, I think resilience is, I think it's the biggest one. It's, yeah, it's, it's the endurance. I agree. I agree. You, you have to endure, you know, without it. Especially like, in marginalized communities, for I sure. Abs- I yeah. mean, even more so. Yeah. You know, I have a, a friend of mine, really celebrated um, entrepreneur in the UK. Um, he's had a golden handshake and started a fund and all the rest of it. He's just a like great guy, good egg. And he does a lot for Europe in general. Mm. So you might be able to whittle down as to who it is. But that being said, um, he told me entrepreneurship is getting punched in the face every day and smiling. Mm. And I remember when he told me that, this was like maybe about eight years ago. He was just like, it's just getting punched every day and smile. it's the smile part, you yeah. know? And that's for me, is that's what I speak of. And I mean, the resilience is to stay hopeful, is to get the nose and keep your posture, you know, is to not lose sight, you know, when there is this immense fog, you know, and just to walk you know, yeah. even if you can't see the clear path, you know, and not being like too proud or too tired to say that I might have to change direction mm-hmm. and pivot slightly. Got you. So, yeah, huge resilience. Completely agree. Yeah. So Carl, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure having you on. How can people stay in touch with you and Black Seed? Yeah, no, sweet. I mean, main point of contact for me is definitely Instagram. I'm the most active on there. So that is Carl with a K underscore loco. Lima Oscar, Kilo, Kilo Oscar. And I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I know that one quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the main point of call for me personally. I got, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. It's quite funny, I just automatically yeah. just spell. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the same. But no, we're here for it. So that's the main point. Nice one, man. Yeah. Thank you so much again. And I'm sure we'll speak very soon. No, Cheers. Sure. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, big love. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the opening episode of season three of the Elevating Founders podcast. If you've got any questions or comments, head over to our social channels linked in the show notes to join the conversation or email us at elevatingfounders at informer.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to the podcast. We've got some amazing guests lined up, some real special surprises. 
And of course, we're on YouTube as well. So there's a few episodes that we're doing this season that are going to be videos. So definitely stay tuned. You do not want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening again, and we'll catch you in the next one.